0: on
1: blast this is week five of i'll name this football pod later on the on blast podcast network which as always is available to you on apple Podcasts, spotify soundcloud google play and on youtube as always tell your friends to like and subscribe my name is shellen alexander and i'm joined once again by sports betting professional and host of the window sports betting podcast mr matt russell rusty how you doing my dude I'm alright man.
0: We had to pick we have to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off a little bit after last weekend. Those things are gonna happen. It's the NFL. A lot of stuff just didn't bounce our way, right? We talk about the musical chairs and there was a couple of situations where we thought we were sitting down on a chair and it got pulled right <laughs> out from under us and we fell flat on our ass last week. So it's, we're gonna bounce back week.
1: Last week, for people who have been following with us here since we've been doing this podcast on the On Blast feed from week one, one of the things I mentioned early on was, you know, sometimes you, you trust your read over the course of the full season. And so last week was a perfect example of a few things. One, like, look at that Miami Dolphins game, right? To me, the read of the Dolphins covering that game is still correct. Now, of course, you're talking wins and losses and money made and all that. Cool. It's a loss. But the read on the game is correct. So for me, anyways, as long as the reads are still positive, I trust the overall course that we're on for the full season. But hey, that's just me.
0: Hey. No, and that's, we talk about that all the time, right? It's like, okay, how do we evaluate what we did with regards to our, you know, beyond just our record? Right. And I yeah. always talk about the three elements, right? Did we beat the market from a mm-hmm. closing line perspective? Right. So we talked about how, you know, it was Miami plus seven. That was a bet. Even six and a half is good. And then that number closes like five, even some four and a halfs out there. Right. So checkmark. We did that correctly. Next mm-hmm. thing is, if you're at a point in the sort of fourth quarter at various points in the game, would you rather be on the side that you're on or the opposite side? And we were sitting there quite pretty in a two-point game in the fourth quarter where it was like, I kind of like the side I'm on because, one, we're covering right now. Two, if the Seahawks go down and get a touchdown, which they did, we were still in a spot where we could have some Fitz magic backdoor stuff, which was part of the handicap. And then three, yep. after the game, if we look back at the box score, how do we feel about how the game went from that standpoint? Now, can we handicap that the Dolphins are going to kick – five field goals when they had drives of, you know, 8, 9, 10, 12 plays, right? The best thing we can do is say, you know what, the Dolphins are going to move the ball against the Seahawks defense and then kind of let the chips, chips fall where they may. And in yeah. this case, five field goals weren't, a, you know, a bunch of chips that we thought were going to fall in that direction. And yeah. so a, kind of across the board, we were three for three in the sort of tools that we look for when evaluating a bet. It just so happened we were a couple points short as they lost by eight.
1: Hey, it happens. It happens. And you know what? I'm not worried about it. And you're not worried about it because you know why? It's a long season. But as we look into week five, right, there's an elephant in the room that we're going to touch on a little bit here. And that obviously is the Titans. And there's a COVID outbreak within their organization A bunch of other games also impacted, you know, the Titans and Bills game's been moved to Tuesday. There's no line there. Broncos and Pats moved to Monday evening football. No line there either. And I'm going to be honest, and I said this on our other pod on the On Blast Network in regards to basketball, when basketball stopped and started, I'm not a doctor. And I'm not going to be out here trying to pretend to be one in public either. So if you want to get some football, COVID hot takes. There's a bunch of other great platforms where you can go and find that stuff and people doing that. Cool. I'm not trying to play doctor in public because, hey, I'll leave that to the professionals. So there's a lot of different places you can go. Obviously, this is a super serious situation, and we obviously hope everyone is healthy and safe going forward but as mentioned, I'll leave the COVID takes to the professionals, and we're going to use this platform to talk about the games that, as of now, we know will be played in week five. So with that said, each and every week, as mentioned on this pod, right, we get together to talk a little football from a gambling perspective. I make my picks with the goal of trying to just win more than I lose at the end of the year. Mr. Russell comes in with the numbers. He's trying to hit you up and help you win some money. So we're coming at it from different angles, trying to meet, I'm trying to, you know, gain some extra knowledge and meet him in the middle and for the record too. So people know my picks have no representation. I don't want to sully the name of Mr. Matt Russell with (laughs) my horrible picks. So when I'm coming off a week and I post my picks publicly and last week, five, nine and one against the spread, for the season, we're still 31-30-2. and two. Here's the here's the waiver that I'm putting up. Those are my publicly made picks. Mr. Matt Russell is an advisor that will try to talk me out of things. And there's a lot of times that I don't listen for the record. Just True. so people know.
0: <laughs> True. And listen, I didn't put you up to that because I think I would have taken a 5-9-1 record. Obviously, one of the things that we do differently is you are forced to pick every yeah. single game you're forced by yourself to do it admittedly yes but you are your <laughs> agreement with the audience is to pick every game right yeah. my agreement with the audience is i'm really only forced to pick five games against the spread from a contest standpoint and then i can sort of grade of importance every other game. And I can stay away from a game entirely, right? Like Jacksonville, Cincinnati last week, if I don't want anything to do with it, I can Homer Simpson into the hedge if I want to. And I'm not beholden to anybody as far as that's concerned, right? For me, I went two and three in the five games. And like, to me, that's a bad week. I think if I had picked every single game, I would have been like four and 10, something along those lines. And I'll readily admit that. But the point is, is like, I don't have to bet all of those games because yes. that's just not what I do. But I think yes. I would take five, nine and one for last week <laughs> relative it was, to kind of how I, I did in that, uh, in that, <laughs> in that week.
1: Uh, it was a tough week for sure. And as we, we kind of come into week five here, we're recording this on Friday for a couple different reasons, but one of them just being there's so much influx with the overall NFL schedule, but us recording on Friday allows us to talk about what happened on thursday and another another waiver that i'll put up for the fans and this is a a yearly thing with me on my thursday night picks there comes a point in time where i advise people you might want to start fading my thursday night picks (laughs) i'm just saying i'm being honest it's just the way things go i had the bucks last night minus three and i know you did not have that but What was your take on last night's game involving the Bucs and the Bears?
0: Yeah, I mean, a couple of different things, right? So, you know, first and foremost, I, yes, I was on the Bears. I was on the Bears money line. Mm -hmm. Uh, I gave that out on the podcast. And, you know, fundamentally, it's like, do I know the Bears are going to win this game? No, not really, right? It all comes down to value. And so, you know, the important part sort of looking forward from that game is I talk about you know I talked about you know I've talked about in this podcast how you should make your own lines right yeah. like you should make your own lines for each week and ideally what you should do is you should actually do it two weeks ahead of time so that you're not sort of poisoned by what happened last week and the reason I sort of mention that is because the look-ahead line you know a line comes out well before this week, right? There's actually game of the year type lines. Like every line gets made back in like May and then it gets made again before last week. And so before last week, which of course was Buccaneers beating the Chargers and uh, Bears looking really bad against the Colts, the, the point spread was three in that game. And so it gets reopened at five and a half early on in the week and because of what we saw, maybe less from the Bucks. though I guess the whole making the big comeback against the Chargers gave them some credit, though for me, I don't really, that doesn't make sense to me. It makes sense to some other people. But more that the Bears looked really bad offensively against the Colts. And my point was, listen, if we're going to make that huge adjustment off of one game, I think we're doing it wrong, right? We wouldn't do that in basketball. We wouldn't do that hockey. Uh, in hockey. I always say, if we're doing it in football, like, what's the difference? And the difference <laughs> is there's time between the two games, right? It's like the, that game gets played over and over and over again, right? So it ceases to be just one game. It's this whole, like, in and of itself, like – thing that happened that Nick Foles is awful and it certainly didn't look good in the first quarter but my point is is that game gets bet down back to three yesterday but it certainly wasn't public money or any of that sort of thing right because you and everybody else were on the bucks right and it isn't as simple as just like oh fade the public they're going to lose it's really just where is the value created right and so a, a point spread that I got at four. When it should have been three right there's a little value there off Mm of the key number of three which is a thing we talk about a lot exactly and the money line instead of the money line being like plus 130 plus 140 was plus 170 right so it's a you know it's a little bit mathy here but like from a probability standpoint a plus 170 money line indicates something that should happen about 37 percent of the time Okay. And I just felt like maybe not more than 50% of the time, but certainly better than 37% of the time on a short week with the injuries that the Bucks had, the Bears were just the right play, sort of from yeah. a value mathematical standpoint. Then the game starts, and I don't know about how you felt about it, but yeah. Tom didn't look all that great. And so no. that was sort of the handicap, right? That this is as bad as Tom's going to look based on sort of the range of outcomes that Tom's going to look any given day, right? He always carves up the chargers. So yeah. he's going to look sort of maximum Tom at this stage of his career. And I think against the Bears, he's going to look about as bad as he's ever going to look this season.
1: Yeah, I get what you're saying, right? It's it's kind of looking at the Bears in a good situation, being at home, but also just adding in the fact of all the injuries, short week. Tom Brady... <laughs> looks his age if that makes sense he's still not like he's still a solid quarterback he's just not able to do the things that you know we assume he's capable of doing still because of the name and something you've talked about from the beginning the tampa bay you know that the public's always on and so with them missing weapons you saw that you know mike evans played but he was clearly hobbled all of those things and then just uh we still equate tom brady and I know I'm guilty of this for sure, still equating Tom Brady being in New England. But Tom Brady not being in New England and being on the Bucs means you have a lot of things that wouldn't really go down in New England. One of those things being like all these penalties and undisciplined plays that Belichick is not tolerating at all. Whereas we know that is a characteristic of the Bucs before, and Tom Brady... The, the thought process of Tom Brady being on that team kind of masks a lot of those things. but the reality is no, they're an undisciplined team. They take a lot of penalties that push them out of getting points, multiple possessions in that game. and hey you 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 end up not covering and you end up with an L, which is just horrible. And my guy not remembering what down it was?
0: Well, like, yeah. And that's going to be the takeaway. Right. But like, you know, obviously that game was lost before he, you know, I don't know if the play would have been any different if No, he no, no.
1: or
0: if he not. did or he didn't or whatever, but like, that's the type of thing, right. Where we look at sort of positional matchups. Cause everybody goes into every game going, who are the quarterbacks? Tom versus Nick Foles. Like, okay. Like I like Tom, Tom's not going to let them lose. He's going to get revenge against Nick Foles for beating him <laughs> in the Super Bowl. And it's like, none of those are real things, <laughs> right? Like those are not actual tangible things. What's a tangible yeah. thing is that right now the Bucks' offensive line is still the question mark that it was before the season started. And yeah. that's fine if you're going up against a team that doesn't have a great defensive line or that can't get pressure, but Khalil Mack and the Chicago bears are not that team. Right. And so I talked mm-hmm. today about, on my podcast about how, if this was a Chris Collinsworth NBC Sunday night game, we would have been getting like montages of defensive line pressure. And he would have been pointing out Khalil Mack and he wouldn't be pointing out somebody else on the Bears and be like, this guy's eating them up and blah, 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 blah. But it's funny because instead we get the Fox broadcast, which is a decent broadcast, but from a production standpoint, not nearly as good. And it's a whole different narrative, right? We're not yeah. giving the credit to the Chicago Bears defensive line yeah. the way that we should be, the way that we might be if this was on a different broadcast. So it's kind of funny no, to sort of God. see how that narrative shapes, which is important for us going forward because a lot of this stuff is separating narrative from what actually happened.
1: So, yeah, I mean, you're totally bang on there. And, you know, let's, let's remove ourselves from my janky Thursday night football picks. I think I'm like one in three right now for the, the season on Thursday night, which is just like... I'm telling you, if you go back to my picks year after year, Thursday, my Thursday night picks are always bad. And it's, it's always tough. because I'm rushing just before like the game's about to start. I'm looking at the line. I'm like, all right, I'm taking this team. It's just the worst thing to do.
0: Well, the it games makes- are janky in general. It's Thursday also- night. They shouldn't be really playing the games. <laughs> I'm glad they do it. Cause like, I'll take a football game anytime, but like they really shouldn't be playing these and they're in, incredibly difficult handicap and like i was talking today about how listen i'm two two and one i abstained from the first game but i'm two and two and like i actually feel really good because i felt like whether it was the browns game from week two or the game last week with the jets and like the ridiculous cover by melvin gordon right and sort of getting all the numbers and that sort of thing like i still feel pretty good even though i'm two and two i'm like i'm I think yeah. I capped them 4-0 and 5-0 oh, and and oh, if you count the fact that I just stayed clear away from the first game <laughs> of the season.
1: Yeah, I think, sorry, what did I say? I said I'm 1-3. I'm definitely 1-4. I think the only one I have right was right. the opening night, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. But again, publicly making picks. I'm fully here to eat happen. it when, when I'm wrong. But let's get to getting right here with the yes. rest of the Week 5 lines right? So we always talk about what I learned from last week, right? (laughs) And it's funny because I wrote what I learned from last week is that you were right about blank, which is funny because we just talked about you being right last night, noticing a theme here. But as we continue, I learned that you were right about the way that we need to change the way we think about two teams. One of those teams being the Bills. And we mentioned, we're not really going to talk too much about that game because the line's going to be messed up. So we'll bypass the bills here, but the bills looked good in Vegas. As you said, the other team was the Cleveland Browns and you were talking of last week and it proved true just about the mindset. This isn't the same Cleveland Browns. This isn't the same Buffalo bills that we're used to. We kind of got to change our mindset and not think of them as like the lovable losers that we've become so used to over the years. So as we head into week five, no bills, but as we go to the Browns, it's basically a pick'em. But I got Browns at plus one and a half over the Colts. I wonder, am I too high on Cleveland? As in, you know, Dallas's defense is just really trash, and more trash than maybe even we realized going in. Or, you know, what do you what do you think here with the, this being a pick'em? Is it kind of just waiting to see where, as you like to say, the merry-go-round stops, and that's going to be what this game is? Browns hosting the Colts
0: yeah in a way i kind of like the pick'em games because at least it's sort of a little bit less merry-go-round a little bit less musical chairs because it's like to cover you have to win the game by and large Mm -hmm. right like it isn't that situation of like did you win by six did you win by nine like oh it came down to a kind of a meaningless add-on field goal because like somebody went for it on fourth down or anything like that at least we have to actually pick a game and so i'm a little bit more comfortable kind of going into a game like that going, okay, the result's going to be the result. Like the team who wins is going to be full value for that. That being said, we've got two teams here that the stock is actually relatively high for each team, right? Like yeah. the Colts, people like them a ton right now. They've got this sort of defense that from a metric standpoint is really, you know, high up there. You kind of dig a little bit deeper and you go Vikings, Jags, Jets, Nick Foles, Bears, like not exactly the most competitive group from an offensive standpoint, right? Whereas you've got this Browns team that got absolutely trucked in the first game against the Ravens. And we can give them a pass for that new coach, no preseason, all of that. Yeah. So Kevin Stefanski, the new coach, he says, yeah, after game one, you know, I sort of started to realize my guys have certain, certain set of skills. And so he started changing the way he called plays. And is that why their offense has kind of exploded here against, Cincinnati, Washington, and Dallas? Like, is it because <laughs> of the opponent, or is it because of the change in what they're doing? And so, yeah. to me, there's a lot of uncertainty in this game. I think this is actually kind of similar to the Bucks bears game from yesterday, in that, like, when we started talking at the beginning of this season, there was a lot of sort of Breeze and Brady comparisons. Right. And that's where I sort of thought it was going to be like, OK, these two guys are probably right on the brink of washed and their defenses are going to kind of lead them, you know, to that whatever success they have this season. I'm now starting to think that it's really Bucks and Colts that are kind of the comparable teams because the Colts defense has played, you know, this much better. And I don't know that anybody is watching Phil Rivers right now and going like <laughs> that guy is still in his prime. Right. Yeah, definitely so not. Yeah, so they're both kind of just still getting by here. (sighs) Last week was the first time I ever saw Phil Rivers wear sleeves. So when we're talking about October, November outdoor games here, of which the Colts don't have that many, and they were just good enough last week with just 19 points, right? Like it's masked a little bit in that, you know, they were in control of that game, but like they only scored 19 points. So there's... To me, there's some vulnerability here as they go on the road to face a Browns team that's feeling pretty good about themselves. The problem is, do you think that the Browns are mature enough to be able to have a big win like they had against Dallas, that even if we think that Dallas' defense is garbage, it's still going to Dallas and getting a win? Do we think that they're mature enough to handle that, to come home and put up a similar level of game. I think they might be because I like what I've seen from that team. It's just a game that like, I'm going to need another couple of days to decide how much I That's like. Fair. Them. That's
1: fair. The, and the one thing I'll say about the Browns, you mentioned Stefanski, right. And kind of his MO coming in so far and putting people in positions to succeed. One of the things he talked about a lot was he's made a point of just trying to get the ball in Odell's hands. And in terms of reducing baker mayfield and putting him in a better position to succeed meaning you're gonna hand off the ball a lot more right but then also just trying to get odell involved and you saw a couple trick plays last week whether it was a reverse and a great pass from uh, jarvis landry all it crazy pass right <laughs> but then also the reverse to odell that he took house against the dallas defense <laughs> but just letting your playmaker be a playmaker and I think so far Stefanski has done a good job in adding stability to Baker Mayfield because I don't think Baker Mayfield like I don't think he's as as good as people make him out to be but I also don't think he's as bad as he's looked right do you you understand what I'm saying like he's not as bad as he's looked so far either and so you just adding some calm and if Safansky's a person who's made Kirk Cousins look right, like a legitimate or at least uh, an average NFL QB, I'm here to give the Browns and him time to do the same with Baker with the offense, with the running game, with the weapons at wide receiver. And I don't know if I'm buying this stat from the Colts defense. I wrote this down. Colts defense has allowed 945 yards to their first four games this season. That's the fewest allowed since the 2010 Ravens. That's one of those where, as you brought up, who did they play? (laughs) Right? Yeah. Mixing in the Jets in there. And anytime you're mixing in that Jets offense, I'm like, hmm. And we went
0: like, last year, we went like full like eight to nine games thinking that the Patriots defense was historically good. And then it was like, oh, actually they haven't played anyone as they started getting into an actual legitimate schedule in the second half, and all of that stuff evened out. So to say yeah. that like, Colts team is really spectacular after four games defensively is probably a bit of a stretch. Now, the one thing to look for, you know, on Fridays – injury report is key right and Darius Leonard is potentially in question to play and as the middle linebacker on that Colts defense who's going to be responsible for getting people in the right spot to stop the Browns run game which is what sets up everything when it comes Mm -hmm. to Baker Mayfield right and the two things that screwed Baker Mayfield was one getting drafted number one right because boom there's a target on your back right there and he's not exactly a guy who shies away from the spotlight and two was a getting involved in a team that was coached by Hugh Jackson that made Freddie kitchens look (laughs) like an upgrade, which got (laughs) Freddie kitchens the job. And he's even more incompetent than Hugh Jackson. And so this is still the first season where, you know, Baker's had an actual coach. Now the reality is Baker's probably about a league average quarterback when, when you factor in everything around him. Right. Yeah. But if you're put in a position to succeed, like we're not talking like Andy Reed level coaching, but maybe, maybe Kevin Stefanski from an offensive standpoint is good enough to tilt Baker from sort of league average to look like he's above average. And if that might be all that they need, right?
1: Yeah, Totally. Totally, and, and I agree with you there. I'm leaning towards, and, and the way that you look at the Pick'em games, obviously, is totally right, too, just looking at who you're taking to win. And in that situation, so far, I'm leaning Browns, but as mentioned, we'll, we'll look towards, you know, game time and see where that line ends up.
0: And um, we'd love to get three, right? Like, that's yeah. the dream is to get plus three. It got as high as two and a half, and really all you need to know is the fact that it got to two and a half, stopped there, and then whoop turned the other way, right? Like yeah. it's that much money. Wouldn't even let it get to three because that's sort of where the market sees this going closer to pick them or even maybe Brown's favorite by the time Sunday rolls around.
1: Craziness, craziness. Uh, we mentioned the Cowboys though and they're playing host of the Giants. Cowboys hosting the Giants at eight and a half point favorites. Again, I'm gonna repeat that. The Cowboys hosting the Giants at eight and a half point favorites. I'm gonna be really honest. I can't trust Dallas's defense to cover a spread that high. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts looking at this? Well,
0: that's yeah, that and that's totally fair. And I think you know, you know, part of the reason we do this is sort of your expression of kind of the one line first reaction to yeah. how these go, right? And I saw exactly. this line too, and I was like nine and a half, like. Who who died and made the Cowboys nine and a half? That's kind of my favorite thing this year, right? The who died yes. and made them nine and a half point favorites. But the thing is, then you kind of look a little bit okay. deeper into it. Okay. And so, yeah, that's terrifying. The, the Cowboys defense is atrocious. But when you look into it, you go, okay, how have the Cowboys gotten – behind the eight ball in all of these games. Like we know they can come back. We know that they're explosive enough to do so, right? And they even had, you know, a lead, obviously they won the game against the Falcons, but had, you know, lead against the Seahawks, all of this sort of thing. And it's not as, I mean, it's obviously their defense is blowing it, but it's like, why, why isn't their offense scoring on every possession, right? And it's because of turnovers, right? Like Dak fumbles, and it's all of a sudden a short field, and then the Browns, like, pound in a touchdown. And now it's sort of like, you know, it's like tennis, right? Like, they broke serve. Like, it's like, this team scores, this team scores, this team scores, this team scores. And why does it stop? It's because of turnovers, Now, do you really believe in the Giants to turn the ball over against the Cowboys? For me, I don't see that, right? Like the metrics are pretty okay on the Giants right now, but it's really more of a bend but don't break, right? Force punts, yada, 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 right? And so if they're not turning them over, if they're not getting the pressure against this Cowboys offensive line, that's frankly in complete shambles right now. I fully acknowledge that but it took injuries for the Cowboys offensive line to be in shambles. The Giants defensive line just isn't very good. And so (laughs) if they're not getting pressure and they're not turning the ball over, are they able to get stops? And so if they're not able to get stops, is Daniel Jones at the helm, the guy that you think can hang with the Cowboys in a game where I think the Cowboys can get to 31, 35 relatively easily? And if we're talking about turnovers, Daniel Jones right now is the poster boy for turning the ball over, fumbles, Man. interceptions, all of it. So maybe the Cowboys defense is that bad, but I don't don't see the Giants keeping up. This is a team that didn't even make it into the red zone two weeks ago against the 49ers team that, as you fully are aware, was quite banged up defensively and still is. And even last week, they were kind of hanging in there with the Rams. They were our survivor pick. We got a little bit nervous. But really, you were like, they're going to need a touchdown here to beat the Rams. And even when they had the ball, like the 40, 30 yard line, you're like, I still don't really think this is going to happen. And so if Daniel Jones is all of a sudden in a shootout where they're getting, they score four touchdowns. I mean, they haven't done that basically all year. So why would I think that's going to happen this time around? So sure, maybe he gets to 20 points but I think the Cowboys get to 35, 40 points. And we always talk about the embarrassment, right? If you're a professional player of any sport, but especially football, cause you have that week. If you yeah. get embarrassed, like losing to the Browns on home field, you are going to tighten things up that week. And there's only a certain degree you can tighten things up if you're just a flat out bad defense. But there was a quote, Xavier Woods, Yep. this week talking about how not you can't play every play all out and it's like on the surface you go oh my god this team does not get it like this guy doesn't get it you do have to play all 70 plays every single time and if there was ever like the coaches hear that so if there is ever a week where the coaches are like are you serious you're not playing all out 70 plays this is going to be the week where they play all out for 70 plays, right? You factor in the division, you know, game and like the records in these, in this division are just yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah. like the Cowboys have to win this game. And it's sort of very easy to go, oh, I think the Giants have a chance to win because now we've seen with our mind's eye, the Cowboys lose games to teams that we don't think that they should lose to. I think the Browns are a perfectly decent enough team to beat the Cowboys. I don't think the Giants are. And I think this is a potential get-right spot for the Cowboys in a game where normally a heavy favorite is a really public thing that everybody just like, there's no way, and blah, blah, blah. We're getting sort of the opposite there, where the Giants are kind of this public underdog. And I actually like the Cowboys at anything under 10.
1: So – I love this because this is exactly what I envisioned, you know, like when we talk about what the podcast would be, this is kind of exactly what I was hoping for in the sense that, you know, we come on, we give the initial or I give the initial, Hey, this is what I'm thinking, but then we talk it out. And one of the things, there's a few things that you normally touch base with that I think come into play here and one that you mentioned was a public perception and with the xavier woods comments that's all over the news it's all over nfl live it's all over nfl network that's a full week of him having to eat it when in theory what he's saying makes sense but you just don't say that publicly right Do you, yeah. you know what i'm saying like there's yeah. some legitimate nature to what he's saying but you just can't say that publicly it's just a bad look the same public that is now going to pounce on them and bet against them because, oh, the Cowboys' defense is trash. So they're hearing that for a full-on week of how bad they are. And you're totally right. Daniel Jones and the Giants' offense is trash. And so when we talk it out, the other part you, you mentioned earlier on is when the game is being played and it's down to the end, which side do you hope to be on? And I just thought about watching this game. (laughs) And the only really, the only real thing I'd be hoping for here, watching it, is like you're hoping for a Daniel Jones late backdoor cover touchdown. And I don't think that that's the side that I want to
0: be on. Yeah, if the Cowboys are up 35 21 or 28 14, (laughs) like, God bless him, right? But, like, (laughs) Daniel Jones isn't the guy to do it, right? And what's the other thing, right? The defense is really Mm -hmm. bad. They gave up 300 rushing yards to Cleveland last week. Mm -hmm. The Giants don't really do that, right? Like, is Devontae Freeman off the street two weeks ago? Is he going to tear up the Cowboys' defense? And maybe he does, and I lose the bet because Devontae Freeman is all of a sudden 2014 version of Devontae Freeman. I don't think that's going to happen, right? Like maybe the case is if Saquon Barkley was still around that they were going to be able to do that. But like the the matchup just doesn't make sense for, you. you know, the Giants to be competitive in this game. And I think this is a real buy low situation for the Cowboys, which is always where we want to be in the buy low, sell high game.
1: I like that. I like that so much, man. Looking at that number and just thinking if it's under 10, being comfortable taking the Cowboys, And I mean, at eight and a half, okay, cool. I I can ride with that. I like that. I like that. This is what we're here doing, thinking things through, talking things out. But you mentioned you'd be okay with losing if for whatever reason, Devontae Devontae Freeman goes off or Daniel Jones goes off. You just tip your cap and say, all right, fine. I was wrong. One thing you were right about, and you tried to warn me about last week, (laughs) was my boy Nick Mullins. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) You did try to warn me about Nick Mullins. We went in and we had a long conversation about, I was saying there's no difference or the difference between him and Jimmy G isn't that much. And my man's Nick Mullins went out and threw one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen in my life (laughs) in a game where, I mean, the Niners, not only did they not cover they they lost the game, but I mean, Nick Mullins now heading into week five. The Niners are nine-point favorites at home to the Dolphins. I got to say I love the points, but a couple things here. That's important. Jimmy G returned to practice on Wednesday. Shanahan wouldn't say who the QB would be, though, if Jimmy G can't go. So that's the latest we got there. <laughs> but either way, I'm going to be honest. You know, if I if I sniff out Nick Mullins is anywhere involved in this game, got to be on the points, no?
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're watching this, you've seen my facial reactions for the last minute. <laughs> if you're not, I can assure you there have been uh, a wide variety. And listen, you're a a fantastic host because you're literally taking like the four right things that I said out of like 20 from last week and talking about them. So I really appreciate that. And that's probably worth mentioning. Um, That being said, you know what, honestly, like if we're doing this Friday, it's probably the only time we'll do it on Friday of the season. And it's for a variety of reasons. As you mentioned, some I've talked about on my podcast, some you've mentioned here, but getting another day to get over what I did with that San Francisco game is crucial as well. And getting okay. the bears home on Thursday to make me feel better about just life in general mm-hmm. uh, was critical as well. I did probably the dumbest thing that I've done all year, right? I came on this okay. podcast and I talked to you about how, yes, it matters. Jimmy G versus Nick Mullins matters. This number is, you know, anything over a touchdown is too high. This is insane, you know, da, da, da and the line was seven seven and a half when we spoke on thursday by saturday the line had moved to nine nine and a half which you know we talked about this i was on san francisco minus six because i knew the line would go up um and then the contest lines come out for the circa million and the line's only six and a half and i'm getting three points of line value right and we sort of okay. in the sports betting game right remember it's the one of our three tenants right line value and so i'm like well we're getting three points of line value here like I've, just, I've watched a ton of this eagles team they're terrible like the obviously the 49ers were good enough to cover against the jets and giants and i completely it's not that i talked myself out of it it's that like this whole idea of getting of getting three points of line value totally clouded me. And I ended up going with San Francisco minus six and a half, not the nine and a half, because if that was the contest line, I never would have touched it. Mm -hmm. But I was sticking with that six, six and a half going, well, they can cover, like they can get a seven point win. Yeah. And then of course we saw what happened. And so I was just fuming the entire way and talked about it at length on Monday to the point where probably people were annoyed. But just the idea that like I sat here, talked myself, you know, talked to both of us, right, all yeah. about how this was too many points and all of that sort of thing, and I would never touch it at nine and a half. And then I still got myself involved in Nick Mullins, only to watch <laughs> him throw those interceptions. And it was just like, you know, I can take losing, right? We talk about the musical chairs and the dolphins mm-hmm. and the uh, you know buccaneers and all of these other teams that sort of you know it lands where it lands but to do something that dumb i was just <laughs> devastated and it's yeah i may not still be over it but at least i can kind of laugh at it now that it's friday and yeah. we've had a few days um to get that behind us so that wasn't our fun as for the game that you want to talk about uh, <laughs> you know i just think the dolphins are decent right like i think that they're good enough and they will be able to move the ball against the 49ers defense that i wasn't all that impressed with you know obviously not a ton of points necessarily for the eagles but that's an eagles team that if right this second you ask me whose offense would you rather have i'd rather have the dolphins offense than the eagles offense as currently constructed right and so we're back in that same situation where we go are the dolphins the same as the Eagles? Are they better than the Eagles? Are they worse than the Eagles? And I think a lot of people would sort of say they're worse, but I don't think that's necessarily the case. And so if we're getting the same nine, nine and a half point spread on a San Francisco home game, like for one, Jimmy G better be in the starting lineup, right? Because otherwise it's completely insane. And the fact that this number is even still, you know, even available at this point, tells me that he is going to play, but are you going to get sort of the best version of Jimmy G? And is that version good enough to go up 14 points? Maybe it is, but I don't know that the defense at this point is good enough because you got to pressure Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you can pressure Ryan Fitzpatrick, it gets ugly quick, mm-hmm. but there isn't anything that's showing me that San Francisco's getting pressure with all of those injuries that they sustained to the defensive line. And so yeah if you're not getting pressure on Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's going to be able to move the ball. And like we talked about, hopefully it's not for five field goals, right? And maybe, maybe it is. Maybe that is good enough in a nine and a half point spread, right? Like it would have been good enough if the number was nine and a half last week. Unfortunately, it was a little bit shorter than that. So yeah, I like the Dolphins a lot in this game.
1: Yeah, I think the Dolphins defense is frisky enough to and, and, and again it's not like the Niners have this high powered offense where Jimmy G, even even if he does return, is gonna be out here throwing like five touchdowns or whatever. Like if those things happen, again, cool. Tip your cap. Congratulations. Okay. Welcome back, Jimmy G. But with nine points, the Dolphins, I think that's enough enough to work with for Fitzmagic Magic. You feel comfortable with that. You mentioned a lack of pass rushes. Niners defense is based on having that pass rush. So when you eliminate all those guys off their defensive line due to injury, then also like their secondary at full strength is just okay. And now you're sure. telling me there's still injuries there. So yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll take the nine points with the dolphins for sure. And yeah nick mullins i hope i never see you again the, the funny part is though because i i i tell you i have like this like undercover love affair for shanahan i just love that shanahan was like yo you're
0: not going back in the game after that pick like it was just like D-
1: you're done cj bathard you're up
0: <laughs> yeah it's like he, he literally turned on the bench and was like Anybody else want to play quarterback <laughs> because that guy's not going back in because that so last—I mean, really both the interceptions were just embarrassing, right? The one at and, the end of the second quarter was yeah. a disaster too. And yeah, that guy can't play. He just can't. Huge
1: shouts to Chris Collinsworth though, because he did his best to not make it seem as bad as it actually was. Like if you listen to what he was saying on the last one, that what's a, my guy's name is a CFL linebacker. Right. There was like a CFL player of the year or whatever, but right. uh, he was just like, you're seeing the replay and Collinsworth actually said, he's like, now I know on video, this looks really, really bad, but from <laughs> field level.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Like, and what he's seeing, he might not be able to see. And you're watching the tape. Like, uh, yeah, I don't know about that one,
0: bro. Yeah. That's the job, right. <laughs> Is to make throws when you kind of can't see, cause you have a bunch of really scary um, dudes chasing after you. Like that's in the job description. Right. It like, was incredible. Uh,
1: so again, I know the Niners or sorry, the Eagles are playing against big Ben this week and not Nick Mullins, but the Steelers are coming off a buy quote unquote, a buy. Yeah, the yeah. A lot going on there. Steelers are seven point favorites at home to the Eagles. And the Eagles obviously showed signs of life against the Niners but I just like the Steelers getting the Steelers by a touchdown in this situation, coming off a bye, you're rested, you're healthy. The Eagles didn't show me enough to tell me that I should be worried about, you know, needing to take them in the points.
0: That's yeah. just
1: my, my one line read heading into this. No, and <laughs> so that's what do you exactly think?
0: how I felt about it too. Right. And unlike the Giants Cowboys one, I haven't, Seen anything to sort of take me off of that? I mean, you do sort of see, you know, the Deshaun Jacksons and Alshon Jeffries in practice. So maybe there's less of a cluster injury situation for Philly there. But if they don't have a healthy offensive line, this Steelers team should be a team that can take advantage of it, right? Whereas San Francisco last week wasn't a team that could take advantage of a banged up offensive line. So I think the number is right on because, again, right, it's, okay, Do we need the Steelers to score, you know, we need them to win by two scores in order to cover this game. It's like, okay, they couldn't get that done against the Broncos two weeks ago, right? So, like, why would I think, because Carson Wentz isn't going to give up, right? I don't love Carson Wentz. I don't think he's particularly great. I think he's a little bit overrated. And, but that said, like, he does not give up. And so that back door is going to be open. It's just a matter of can they stretch a lead out to that point. So then I sort of start leaning the Eagles and I go "Do I think the Eagles can win this game, and I really don't. And so where I end up landing on this game, and there's always kind of one per week where all of a sudden we talk about our favorite word, teaser right? For me, let's take the seven, let's get it down to minus one on the Steelers. There's a ton of different options out there this week. When you have all of these seven to nine point spreads, it's teaser week because you can go up to 14, 14 and a half, obviously, depending on the number, right? An eight and (laughs) a half point spread can get up to 14 and a half if you want the underdog, ace eight, you know, seven, seven and a half, all of these can get teased down underneath a field goal. And so, you know, pick and choose who you like and then tease them up over key numbers or down below key numbers. And I think that's the key for me with this Steelers team. I'll be using them in teasers with all these other different options.
1: I got you, I got you. Uh, Another thing I learned from last week is if JJ Watt says you're done, then you're done. Bill O'Brien in a little news and notes here. Bill O'Brien is out in Houston after an 0-4 start, which has the Texans now as five-and-a-half-point favorites at home to the Jags. Now, I mean, I kind of look at this, and we talked about this with Dallas a little bit, right? If there's a week where you're going to have the game where it's like, all right, now we're ready to go, now we're here, let's go, this would be it against the Jags, no?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, again, the sort of first inclination narrative thing. And again, I don't, I can't necessarily disagree with it. And just as a little teaser for my podcast, Sunday is our, you know, big final decisions with regards to Circa Million, right? The five games against the spread that we're rolling with and the Circa Survivor contest and friend of the podcast, David Pereira is on, and he's already sort of teased me to Mm -hmm. say that he is going to make the case for the Houston Texans as our survivor pick. Ooh, okay. i don't I don't know sort of how that conversation is going to go, how yeah. long it's going to take, but he's told me to be mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally prepared for that to be a real conversation and so for me though, where I kind of have a hang up about it is a couple of things: One, the so big money has come in on Jacksonville to drop this number down below six, right is that still yeah. Uh, a good enough option for me at minus five, like yeah, like I actually do like the Texans in a weird way, I kind of like the Texans more against the spread as sort of a concept in that like yes, if they win they 'll probably win by a fair amount because, like you said, they will be at a level that they haven 't been at this season, mm-hmm. but if they don't there 's a very real possibility that they lose the game outright, right, so it doesn't it 's not going to be a three point Texas Texans win in this one. And I'd be a lot more comfortable with this if, you know, when a coach gets fired and they bring in sort of the, you know, interim guy, if it was a guy who I trusted more to make good fourth down decisions, <laughs> good clock management decisions, but it's Romeo Crennel who's 70 plus years old. And so yep. like, what is his job necessarily? Right. And he's the defensive coordinator and that defense has not been good. So there's already some question marks about his competence, even just in general. And mm-hmm. so it's not like these coordinators here are really killing it. And so I'm very concerned from that standpoint, about trusting him in this game. That being said, Deshaun Watson against a pretty poor Jacksonville defense is sort of the saving grace here potentially. And it's hard to imagine they go 0-5, especially considering the four teams that they've played to go 0-4. And that this is just really just punching down against the Jacksonville team that's struggling right now and is pretty banged up. And of course, the injury report will matter with them as well with some guys that they have on defense.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm, I'm with you there. Liking the, the Texans in this game is kind of like a show me game for sure. But Bill O'Brien wasn't the only kind of news and notes thing that happened this week. Uh, there's also new starting QB in Washington as Dwayne Haskins has been benched for Kyle Allen and the Kyle Allen led Washington football team are seven and a half point underdogs while hosting the Rams. I don't really have a good read on the Rams team to be honest yet. I don't have a good read on them. Right. The giants game kind of threw me for a loop as the giants are able to hang around, hang around But I don't, I really don't get this Kyle Allen versus Dwayne Haskins thing. Like I don't have a good answer on that either. I just don't have a read on this game, period. If I'm leaning, I'm taking the points, but. Do I really want to be rooting for Kyle (laughs) Allen down the stretch? Not really.
0: It it feels a little week three stinky, right? Like, remember that week where it was just like, get into your stinky mode because it's going to be kind of gross. So, you know, a lot of people don't know all that much about Kyle Allen, but of course he played last year for Carolina, coached by Ron Rivera right? Yep. And so there was varying levels of success. Some games he looked okay, <laughs> and some games he didn't, right? And that's just yeah. kind of backup quarterbacking, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're reading between the tea leaves here, right? On the surface, you go, Haskins is the top pick. And if he's not playing, like in theory, it should be a downgrade. But when you're a coach who, for one, literally when Ron Rivera got the job with the, with the Washington football team, there he said, go. I want Kyle Allen on my team. Right. And maybe not necessarily as the starter, but certainly as the backup. So there's a trust element. And with these coaches in the NFL, a lot of times it's, are you running the plays the way I see them being run? Right. Are you making the correct reads? Are you making the simple, accurate throws? Right. And if a quarterback's not doing that, it's kind of almost insulting to a coach in a way where they just go, I just want somebody to run the play correctly right and it's not like Ron Rivera has any commitment to Dwayne Haskins right he was not the coach of the team when he was drafted he was not involved in any way shape or form in that decision so there isn't that emotional attachment so in a way maybe he's like giving him four games and was like if you can't get it done I don't have the patience for this let's get you out let's get let's see what a guy can do here he also Mm -hmm. mentioned if there was a team in the division who was four and oh he would probably just keep riding Haskins but he's looking around around at this team and maybe he's foolish, but he's looking around and going, man, if we just had better quarterback play, we might be able to win a couple more games here (laughs) and actually (laughs) like sneak our way into the division, right? Like he's already got a win against the Eagles under his belt, right? Mm -hmm. So they're like very close to being in first place in this division. And so he's going, you know there's enough guys, right? With Steven Sims and and Terry McLaurin and the you know couple of different running backs that they have that it's like I think they think that they can compete if they just get that game manager style quarterback. And with the Rams here coming into town, you're right, right? Look, looked really rough last week in a, in a spot where we really thought we were going to get the best version, the high-end sure. range of the Rams after losing to Buffalo. And we talked about how if this wasn't a COVID season, they'd probably get flat out blown out by the Bills because they're coming in in that second half. And, you know, the place is completely up for grabs. They're not going to be able to hear themselves think, right? Because it was quiet, they were able to run their offense, get back into that game, and actually probably could have, should have maybe won that game. So we could, in sort of a different universe, be seeing a team here that might be not as good as maybe we thought based on the fact that they beat the Cowboys in a close game at home to start the season. And then they beat the Eagles, a team that hasn't shown us all that much, and then they, you know, in theory, could have been blown out against the Bills. Certainly were getting blown out at halftime and then struggled yeah. to beat the Giants. So before the season started, you know, not that many people were high on the Rams. And then, mm-hmm. like, sentiment started to turn. But if now that we sort of look at it as as a whole, I don't know if that sentiment really should be there. And so you're not getting either. seven, seven and a half points, I think, is key on the road. We saw yeah. last week that you know, the Washington football team was able to score the last touchdown of the game, in -hmm. this case, sort of pushing those numbers on 14, right? We talked about how, like, 14 is not a number we want to mess with. And that sure enough, that was pushed last week, when the Ravens went up 21, and so on and so forth. In this case, this could easily be a 14 point game, right? I think Washington keeps trying, right? They're still working, to sort of maybe have this offense click with Kyle Allen. So I don't think you're going to get the give up that maybe you've gotten in a couple of these games. I think Washington in, you know, when you say something like they can cover seven, seven and a half, I think that actually makes them kind of a live underdog in this game. Ooh.
1: Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. Uh, A new starter also named for the chargers. I was about to call them San Diego chargers for the record. Uh, (laughs) But new starter there, Justin Herbert, and he's looked, Pretty good so far as the rook, pretty solid, and they are in New Orleans as seven and a half point underdogs. And you mentioned a couple of weeks ago, or might have been last week, just this narrative with this Chargers team in terms of just taking the points, <laughs> whether they're favored right. or whether they're the underdogs, just taking the that. points. And at the seven point five, that extra point five. That will always help me jump on taking the points. But I want to ask you just what you think of this matchup here as the Saints host the Chargers with their newly named starting quarterback,
0: what do you What do you like here? Yeah, yeah, and hopefully they don't stick a needle in him. So um hey, listen, I-, I did say that you're right. I mean, the fact that that's seven and a half, it's made some cameo appearances at eight. Like they're Oof. really kind of fishing us into the chargers here, I think. okay. I don't love this game, man. like I'll talk okay. about it more on Monday on my podcast once I sort of yeah. get more information. Once I get a better feel, it's certainly not one that I want to attack a couple of days in advance. Like what version of the saints are we going to get right? What Mm -hmm. defensive version of the saints are we going to get? Are we going to get the version that the chargers can move the ball against that could be very live to backdoor a game? The chargers team is pretty good, right? Like that was coaching malpractice by your boy, Anthony Lynn on Tuesday, excuse me, on Sunday. Um, And so like, when I look at that, it's like, man i don't know that i can trust him like we know like we've talked about how he's not good at decision making right and sometimes that doesn't matter when you're getting that many points but it's like golly like if you can't close a 24 7 you can't even go to halftime up 24 to 7 when you've got the ball with 25 seconds left it's like that leaves a real sour taste and that might be so sour that i just have to take the saints, but again, I don't know what to expect from the saints. So, I mean, for right now, it's a stay away, it's a Monday night game. So we'll see yeah. some line movement on Monday. We'll sort of get our, our, you know, an opinion kind of based off of where that goes. Yeah. Um, Justin Herbert, right? Like he's good enough to get it done, I think, and is a good long-term you know, option for them it's just such a, a tough spot, right? Back-to-back road game. It's not like you're going <laughs> to have like the rowdy fans or anything like that. Um, just really tricky, right? I just, I can't see them winning. And so when you go like, I need them to s- at least picture the a chances of them winning to take them on the point spread. Like I did with them against the Bucks last week, right? Yeah, like I totally. even kind of did with the Chiefs. Like I didn't want anything to do with live betting the Chiefs. I didn't want the, li- the Chiefs on the money line because like I kind of see the Chargers could win this game. Same yeah. thing with the Bucs. I just don't have that feeling right now. Um, you know, going against the Saints. Hey, and that's totally
1: fair. And that's one of the things I say all the time when we, we were on this pod. Tell me the feel. And if you don't have a real feel on it, that's totally cool. Because I'm looking at this game and I'm kind of like, ugh. Because the, the biggest thing that still stands out to me, and you're right, Justin Herbert has looked great. Like he probably should be starting, but there is part of me on the flip side, and I know this has nothing to do with the point spread, but this was from Field Yates just talking about uh tyrod taylor losing his starting job three times the first time he lost it to nathan peterman in buffalo which just has to be a shot to the ego the second time he lost it to baker mayfield after a concussion and now the third time he's losing his job to justin herbert after a team doctor accidentally punctured his lung yeah that's a that's just a (laughs) tough like that's a tough string of luck if you are Tyrod Taylor. And I know that has absolutely nothing to do with the point spread or the gambling lines or anything like well, that, but it just made I, me feel like, Oh man. I mean, part of it deal. is,
0: you know, part of it is I wish Austin Eckler was involved in this game for the chargers. I'd like them a mm-hmm. lot better off. Right. Because he's yeah. the sort of short pass outlet for Herbert in a scenario yeah. that might be a little nerve wracking for him. Right. Like he is the best case for getting a backdoor touchdown to cover this number right but he's yeah. not around and it's funny that he you know <laughs> suffers this hamstring injury the results come back pretty much as positively as you could possibly think right like it kind of looked like it might be a tear and he's out for the season and then yeah. it's like oh he's actually only out four or five weeks potentially but he's like i'm going to need a second opinion because he doesn't trust the chargers doctors and, and why would why you? Should
1: he? Exactly. Totally. Totally true. Uh, one thing we do, I don't know what to trust yet about double-digit spreads. Right? Yeah. We've got one this week. Chiefs hosting the Raiders, but they are a 12-point favorites. 12-point favorites are the Chiefs hosting the Raiders this week. Chiefs on a short week, but I don't know. Like, the only reason I would be thinking about not taking the Chiefs is just because of the short week. Everything else doesn't tell me that there's a reason for me to be essentially, as I mentioned earlier, rooting for Derek Carr on a backdoor cover, right? (laughs) Like that's literally the only thing here that I I see. And I'm just like, nah, I I don't want to be in that position. The chiefs offense didn't look that good against the Pats. And this could just be the game where it's like, no, 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 we're okay. We're cool. We're back, back to your regularly scheduled program. Mahomes just bombing touchdowns all over the place.
0: Yeah, and that's what he does against the Raiders, right? Because we've talked a couple of weeks ago about how the Chargers have, you know, the sort of elixir, if you will, from a plan standpoint to sort of slow Mahomes down. We've seen that over the course of the last few years, right? The Patriots, excuse me, do with Belichick, right? We saw that just on Monday. The Raiders are the exact opposite, right? Like they have no clue on how to stop Patrick (laughs) Mahomes. So like for me, it's a stay away because you're right, right? We've got double sort of letdown spot here. Ravens game on Monday night, followed by a Patriots game on Monday night where there's all sorts of craziness going on with the Cove. And so now you've got like short week with that, you know, where you go like, we can walk through this, sleepwalk through this and we're going to beat the Raiders. And you're right. It's probably going to be a scenario where they're up 17 points and you need the Derek Carr backdoor cover. The Raiders offense has looked serviceable enough that I wouldn't rule that out. And their run game is sort of decent enough that like they can limit possessions potentially too, right? Kind of like how the Patriots did against the Chiefs. So there's a couple of reasons to like the Raiders on the spread. It's just... I mean, for me, it's going to be a stay away. I can't lay the 13 or the 12 with the Chiefs, right? I just can't yeah. do that. That sort of, first of all, kind of goes against my general belief system because the Raiders have a functional quarterback. We always talk about that with the double digit spreads. Correct. And, you know, again, like, it's not like completely hopeless for the Raiders. It's just mm-hmm. the fear of the Chiefs. And what they've shown us with regards to their plan against Patrick Mahomes in the past doesn't really bode well so i think it's a stay away but if i absolutely gun in my head had to do it i think i would do exactly what you said it's raiders and then hope Derek carr can just get that last touchdown
1: <laughs> I, like I, it's this is gonna sound weird because i know my normal take is to take the points at all costs what you've got me thinking about the most though is just, I can't be in that, I don't want to be in that position where I'm <laughs> sitting there rooting for Derek Carr on a backdoor cover. It's understandable.
0: It's, it's just understandable. a tough spot to be in.
1: Yeah. But hey, that's, that's, what, that's what we do here. You got to make those tough decisions with the double-digit spreads. It's not going to change. We're only in week five. So there, you're going to hear a lot more of me complaining about these double-digit spreads for the whole season. One thing I'm not complaining about so far, the play of Teddy Two Gloves and especially the play of Teddy Two Gloves without Christian McCaffrey in the lineup. And you mentioned early on in the season that sometimes, especially involving point spreads, we kind of overvalue the role that running backs play. And Christian McCaffrey went down and you would think the public is like, oh no, the, the Panthers are done. They have no chance. And instead, it's gone the other way. But, but this week, They're in Atlanta and they're getting three and a half points because of everything I just said. I want to take the the Panthers. They've been good to me the past few weeks, but at some point doesn't Atlanta have to like (laughs) have just one of those Atlanta games.
0: Well, I mean, first and foremost, they're not getting three and a half points anymore. They're getting one and a half points. Three and a half was very much the look ahead and sort of obviously a thing that we all probably should have bet. Um, Then it became three after Monday, and then the money has come in on Carolina. And that's a completely understandable move because why would you want anything to do with the Atlanta Falcons right now? Like, just why, right? Hold on, hold
1: on, hold on. So you're telling me... you're telling me I should just be happy that I'm in on the Panthers at three and a half points.
0: Just if you take have that some sort run. of, whatever your source is, wherever you're able to sort of make this official, right? Like <laughs> whether it's sort of a Yahoo pick'em pool or some yeah, yeah, yeah. sports book that isn't paying attention. like or yeah, pro line. You know, or proline. If if proline right now has three and a half as the number, I'm walking to the store right now. We're stopping this podcast, and I'm going right now. And I don't care what kind of janky odds they gave me, and obviously I didn't because that's sort of part of it. But like, yeah, plus I mean, plus three and a half, man. Like, I would be unloading on that and sort of Let's taking go. my chance at this point yes of course sure uh um, it's one and a half right now i think carolina wins the game like the falcons yeah. it's over right the only reason dan quinn's still on the still on the coach right now is because of the short week and there just isn't that time to do it right they'll wait yeah. for after a thursday game or after a bye week or, or yeah. before for a bye week i should say like and then they'll do it there right but yeah. but it's done like it's over right matt, like matt ryan's like you don't have to be 40 years old to be washed right like we sort of tricked ourselves with the peyton manning you know lasting as long as he did and tom and all these other guys sort of lasting as long as they have but in reality like i'm 38 years old i'm washed as and so like you can be washed at an even younger age than that in the nfl because the nfl is really hard and matt Ryan is washed like that's just how (laughs) the situation is but and so like julio jones left the game on monday like is he going to be in the mix literally their entire secondary was out of the game and so it's you know what else do I need to see you know to to make me th- you know not just bet against the falcons the rest of the season here and we're getting a point or three and a half points sign me up like i just don't understand how there's money coming on the Falcons and this all might look stupid when like they come out and they win and like carolina you know, completely lays an egg, but Carolina is a pretty decent football team. And I'm actually kicking myself. You know, I listen on week three, I was on Carolina money line as seven and a half point underdogs to beat the Chargers. I mm-hmm. believe in this Carolina team. I talked about it before the season started, and yeah. I was on them week one against the Raiders, and we had that whole fourth and in inches situation and all of that. And yeah. so I'm kicking one of the other dumb things I did last week is not believe that this Carolina team is good enough to compete in these games. And yeah. like I'm just I'm going to keep backing them as long as the value is there. And if I like it, it. any points against Atlanta, the value is there.
1: I love it. Teddy Two Gloves, let's roll. I'm in on that. I'm in on that. And you know, we've almost gone through all the games that there are lines on that don't really involve COVID outbreaks, but there's one last game that I have up here which would be the Vikings and the Seahawks. And the Seahawks are hosting the Vikings and are seven point favorites. Now, <laughs> again, just my normal thought process has oh has lately has been I gotta take points in this situation. But with Kirk Cousins traveling to Seattle, um you know that kind of has me kind of iffy, but I don't know. My, my inclination is to take the points here but i don't like it by any stretch
0: yeah and listen i always every time he's on right i call it cousins after dark At cousins <laughs> after dark is a terrifying situation i completely get it and so from that sort of narrative standpoint i think that actually creates value in this situation yeah. like i don't okay. see why they're seven point underdogs Like, listen, and I'm on record as saying the Vikings stink, right? But these opinions in the NFL, they need to be, you know, you need to be able to change how you feel when you see stuff evolve, right? So when you go from Justin Jefferson not really knowing what he's doing out there to all of a sudden he's maybe one of the better receivers in the league, like that means something. And so if this Vikings offense can do what they've been doing over the last couple of games – And now the defense starts to round into shape just from a plan standpoint, right? Remember, we are in week five. We've talked about it with a bunch of other teams. The preseason, weeks one through four, the sort of on-the-fly preseason is over. And so Jefferson mentioned it, even just as a rookie, as a wide receiver. But I think the same thing applies to the Vikings defense, right? Where a lot of it is sort of organization on defense, right? Like, think about defenses in general in this day and age. Like, who's the shutdown corner, in the nfl right we've we've got an era or eras of shutdown corner there's always been a revis island or this or that or whatever who's the shutdown corner right now like there really isn't one right who's the guy the dominant defensive line player right like sure sometimes khalil Mack is involved Mm -hmm. in a great deal and then other times he's not yes aaron donald is that guy but Mm -hmm. Across the board, defenses in this sort of high-scoring 2020 NFL are a lot based on communication and game plan, right? And sort of just minimizing the damage. And so if you don't have that communication and you don't have the plan all in place and everybody sort of understanding where they're supposed to go, your defense is going to suffer. And I think that's what happened with Mike Zimmer's defense Mm -hmm. in Minnesota. And I think they're starting to come around. Now, are they going to stop Russell Wilson? Probably not, but Jamal Adams is out again for the Seahawks, and I'm sure a couple other guys will be out because they're going into their bye week and they're sitting at four and zero right now. So there's no reason for them to put Jamal Adams out there because yeah. he can take two more weeks off, right? And there's going to be exactly. a couple of other guys in that same situation. And so I think this game's going to be a shootout. That's not rocket science. The total's like 58 right now, <laughs> so it's not exactly like I'm breaking any news here necessarily. Um, yeah. And I just think that the Vikings are alive dog here because again we could have that same dallas versus seattle situation right like I tell me to. there's any difference between minnesota and dallas right now that line was five five and a half this line's a full seven why wouldn't i like minnesota plus okay. the seven in this situation you know i like it i like
1: it i like it uh yeah kurt cousins plus seven sure why not <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's scary things But the most uncomfortable bets are the ones that win the most frequently.
1: It's true. It's very true. And as we continue to try to get back into the winning ways, as mentioned again, what we do on this pod, I'll throw initial thoughts. Mr. Russell will poke holes in some of my theories and thoughts. And then by Sunday, mostly, most likely on Saturday, for sure. I'll have my final picks that are up on our on blast site, which is, uh, onblastpodcast.wordpress.com. There's links in my bio and on Twitter and all that fun stuff to find the full picks there along with the podcast, which is really here to talk you through your picks, right? Whatever your picks end up being, at least we want to help you be more informed. So that's where we're at. And one of the big parts of that is a little thing we like to close out on, which is a sucker bed of the week. Now, (laughs) we went through a lot of different spreads and I have a theory here for the Sucker Bet of the Week. Okay. And my theory would be the Sucker Bet of the Week is any of these games that have been moved schedule-wise or that involve massive COVID outbreaks, if you are going to bet a lot of money on any of those games, (laughs) you are a sucker. That is my advice to you. And, I, and yeah. I'm saying this, not <laughs> meaning it towards, you know, yes, super safety and health things going on that are super serious. But I'm telling you, no, if you're going to put money down on any of these games that are being moved because of COVID or outbreaks within teams, and we don't know who's in the lineup, who's not, that's on you. <laughs> that's, my, that's, my, uh, that's my ploy right there for the Sucker Bet of the Week.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very much an existential big picture sucker bet of the week. And I'm fine with that. I think I, there's a couple of different ways I take it. And to be honest with you, I think the sucker bet of the week actually happened already. And I think Ooh, that was last night. I like it sort of after the fact, because that's not really helping anybody, right? Um, I think there's a possibility that the bills end up being the sucker bet of the week. Now we don't know what the line is necessarily, but the contest line that kind of came out early in the week when we thought it might get played in, you know, in the structure of, you know, the normal schedule was minus three for the bills. And so I think that's, a little sketchy, right? Like that's a little too high. It's very easy to go. Like the bills are rolling. And like, we've talked about that as far as like looking at them as an offensive team and not this defensive team that just kind of try to score 20 points and hang on. So I think there's some sentiment that's going for the bills. Obviously like people are, don't like the Tennessee Titans very much right now for for the sort of obvious reasons. And so it's going to be very easy on this sort of Tuesday night game to be mad at the Titans and take the bills. And so if this line ends up being three or any sort of higher than that, I think we could have a very similar situation as to the bucks and the bears where it's like, Oh, it's a relatively short number with a team on the road. Um, but I'd be very wary about betting the bills this week. Um, especially given the games that they've had over the last couple, but unfortunately, um, based on sort of betting percentages and all of that kind of stuff, I think the sucker bet of the week was last night.
1: No, that's cool. That's totally cool. Um, (laughs) In terms of our survivor pick, you kind of said, you you mentioned, and I, and I like that as a tease. I, I, no, no, no. I like it as a tease for your podcast, for people to go listen to that full-on conversation because that's super interesting to me and, you know, I'm intrigued and as you look around, there's some weird games this week. I mean, you might have to break one of the rules in terms of taking a division matchup, maybe. So there's a lot of different things floating around, but I do like this week kind of leaving that as a tease for your podcast and getting people to go check out this weekend the Window podcast where they can find out the full on pitch for taking the Texans.
0: Yeah, I mean, and the truth. The truth is, is like, I don't know what we're going to, act, what our survivor pick is actually going to be, right? And you're yeah. involved in this in this crew. Yep. And like, I don't know what it's going to be. And sort mm-hmm. of, I am kind of the gatekeeper in yeah. that, like, if it ends up being the Texans, like I will have let that get through the gate. <laughs> so there's going to be a responsibility there, right? Yeah. If you're looking for sort of the safe play here, I think it's just take the Ravens. Okay. Um, you know, obviously, if you're trying to win this thing, saving some of these good teams over the course of the rest of the season, again, it depends how many people are in your survivor pool, right? If there's four sure. people left, like sure, like try to win it early by taking the Ravens and that sort of thing. If you're going up against, I don't know, 600 people, which are what's left in the Circa Survivor Contest, you know, you have to plan for week 15 and week 16 and things happening in that situation. So, you know, I sort of, and this is again, sort of a tip, right? Whether it's, you know, make your lines early on, plan out your survivor, right? List all the good teams that you can trust. And I think you'll find there's about 15 good teams that you can trust. We're going to need about 17 or in the circus survivor, 18 teams that you can trust. So that means there's going to be three teams that are, as we say, a little bit janky. And (laughs) if one of them happens to be the Houston Texans after they fired their coach against the Jags, that just might have to be it because otherwise you start getting into, you know, it's not complicated, right? Like 16 teams is the top two teams in every um, division in the NFL which means you need to get into that third place team at some point. And if that's the Texans, maybe that's the Browns at some point, like that's where things get a little rough, but it's going to have to happen at some point. And maybe that some point is this week, but if you're playing it safe, I think the Ravens are the best option. Don't try to get cute with road teams like the Rams or the Cardinals. I mean, listen, Joe Flacco, assuming that game even goes off, Joe Flacco's involved for the Jets. So I understand the sentiment, but like, I would stay away from those because those could trip you out.
1: Totally, totally true. Um, another good week of the pod, man. I'm really enjoying this. Like every week, it's been a lot of fun to deep dive into the NFL and kind of change narratives. I had, I had a, a buddy reach out to me, telling me he's really enjoying the pod just because it's making him think differently about the different lines and stuff and getting a different understanding of the point spreads and how you should be looking at it. So like, I know I'm feeling that from our conversation. So to hear other people and get positive feedback in that way as well has been really cool, man. So it's been a lot of fun. So really appreciate you coming on with us each and every week here on the pod. But let the people know where they can find uh, your podcast, but also the other information that you're giving out. Because I mention it all the time. On Twitter, every day you are giving out, especially in this era of a plethora of games night in, night out whether it's baseball, basketball, whatever, where can the people find out all the information that you're cooking up for them?
0: Yeah, thanks, pal. Obviously the Twitter, at MRussAuthentic. My name's Matt Russell. M-R-U-S-S and the word authentic, right? No underscores, no backslashes, nothing, anything crazy like that. Um, As for the podcast, it's daily, Monday to Friday. It's called The Window. Uh, Type in The Window. You probably wanna type in sports as well because you might end up in some sort of existential podcast talking about spirituality, who really knows? Um, Obviously that name is from the window at the sports book, right? Going to the window to cash your tickets, to buy your tickets, all of that kind of thing. Uh, We talk Monday to Friday, every sport, right, college football, baseball hockey basketball all of that kind of thing right now we're sweating the yankees tonight in a synthetic series price that we've created for ourselves at about seven to one you're asking yourself what's a synthetic series price that's the type of thing that we talk about right we talk about how to make money betting on sports not just picking games and sort of letting things go right it's also a community we talk about the bad beats we talk about why these lost why these won and you know that's the important thing is understanding what we did right and what we did wrong to get better at it going forward, right? And then the Sunday podcast is sort of the bonus NFL season podcast. That's very much about the Circa Million Contest and the Circa Survivor Contest, which are Las Vegas contests, big money type things that we're sort of, you know, tracking along. As bad as last week was, we're still 12-7-1 and 1 in the Circa Million, right? So that's above 60%. As long as you can kind of keep your head above 60%, you're still in the mix, right? We're Waiting for that sure. one big 5-0 week. Hopefully that comes this week. If not, we'll sort of hope for the best for the next week. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're chugging along here and Survivor. Um, still, you know, in the mix for the million, along with 600-plus of our closest friends. Uh, hopefully a bunch of people took the bucks last night. Um, so all of that's going on. Uh, of course, we've got ALCS, NLCS next week for baseball. And, of course, Game 5, the NBA Finals tonight. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, for your Heat, I like the – and maybe this is good news for, you, for the Heat, to be completely honest with you. I do like the Lakers, minus 7. Uh, looks like we're going to cash a couple of pretty big tickets on the LeBron James MVP bet that we made. Yep. So, again, we're kind of all over the map, but that's what we do. And that's the fun part about this time of year.
1: As you mentioned the heat, what side were you on, on that Tyler Hero 3 at the end there? It
0: wasn't great, sir. It wasn't <laughs> okay, great. sorry. It wasn't My
1: great. apologies. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I brought it up. Well, that's the
0: other thing, <laughs> right? Sorry. And we lament that that's the type of stuff, right? Where we go, yeah. okay, like that happens. And it like happens, you say, yes. when you're talking about your picks, right? You're accountable. And, you know, I, don't, I didn't feel that bad about it because we weren't necessarily on the right side, right? That game yeah, wasn't yeah. being covered by the Lakers for much of it. Yeah. And just the way that the NFL season had gone, or at least the NFL Sunday and Monday nights, sort of a couple of bad beats on those Monday night games. Yeah. That we didn't really talk about. And so on Tuesday, you're sort of like, it would be really nice to kind of be on the wrong side, but get a wrong side winner. Yeah. And then Tyler Hero just ruins it for, for no us. reason. For, For no, just reason. no reason. And how many times have we seen them just dribble the ball out at the end of the right. game? Like, if that's happening constantly, and then they go and shoot it. it. So, on. anyway, that's the kind and of stuff he that you shooting, just have to laugh at.
1: His percentage was terrible, right? Like, he didn't have a good shooting percentage, and that's normally where dudes just dribble it out because they don't want their shooting percentage to look even worse. Right. But, anyways, uh, again, I really mean this, listeners to this podcast. If you if you like what you're hearing here, then it's more in depth. It's more knowledge. It's more information to help you win money. Again, that is the Window Sports Betting Podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, you can find all the goodness that Mister Matt Russell is dropping. The knowledge that he's dropping on a daily basis, and of course. He'll be back with us next week right here on this, what we're calling, I'll name this football pod later on the On Blast Podcast Network. Huge shouts to the people that are still rocking with our Ball On Blast Podcast, which might be wrapping up soon before, you know, sooner than I thought for sure. But, you know, we'll be here still talking about... Uh, NBA trades, NBA, you know, uh, off season stuff, which we know is always fun in the NBA. So that's the ball on blast podcast. You can find that as well on the on blast podcast network. Thank you guys for liking and subscribing wherever you get the pod, like, and subscribe on YouTube. That's huge. Keep the train moving here with what we're doing here on the network. And as I always say, I used to pray for times like this to ROM like this, this is I'll name this football pod later. Part of the On Blast Podcast Network. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya.
0: On Blast.